1: So, subscribe today at slash unapologetically ATL.
0: This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Remember live concerts? We miss them, and we bet many of you do, too. They're slowly coming back, but in a very different form. Smaller audiences, drive-in theaters, other outdoor venues with widely spaced seating. And while they can never take the place of the concert experience, live albums do give us a taste of seeing our favorite artists on stage. Live albums, of course, have been around for a very long time, And AJC music writer Melissa Ruggieri recently compiled a list of a few memorable live albums to revisit. She's here to talk about that list and more, and she's brought along a special guest. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Shane. So uh, you brought someone along to help us out this time. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know, I figure since you've been hearing my voice so much over the last six months, (laughs) we've done so many of these together that maybe people might want to hear from somebody else as well. So I I have brought, who is really the the closest music soul to me, my cousin, (laughs) Mike (laughs) Mike Mike lives in Richmond, where I lived for many years when I worked for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And Mike was my constant companion through the good and bad, through pretty much every concert I ever had to cover in Richmond, D.C., Baltimore. Virginia Beach, wherever we had to go because, you know, four shows a year came to Richmond, basically. So we did a lot of traveling and we spent a lot of time in the car together and pretty much our drives to and from all these places would consist of talking about minutia, about music and concerts and, you know, what we had just seen live or whatever that nobody else would care about except us and probably you and hopefully some other people who are listening today. So, so Mike, want to say hi to everybody?
2: (laughs) Yes. uh, Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We did... Melissa, I, when I tell talk about it, I'd say we saw like eleven hundred shows. I think yes, in however I, many years that was seventeen I, years.
1: I think it. I think it was. And then you've come to Atlanta to go to a few shows with me here as well since I've been in town. And you know, I mean, you know. Shane, you and I could obviously talk for an hour on a podcast, but Mike and I could probably talk for five hours on a phone call. And I, I hang up the phone sometimes, and my husband will look at me and go, "What are you two talking about for that long?" They're like, "What do you think we're talking about? We're talking about music. <laughs> That's pretty much the way it goes." So yeah, so so let's talk about some some live stuff. We're
0: and we're doing this, you know, just at the time when we would normally be doing, um, you know. Music Midtown would be happening, Um, you know, lots of other festivals, outdoor shows. That's that's the time of year it is now. And uh, so I think a lot of people are going to be missing that.
1: Uh, There's there's so much I miss about not being able to go to shows, especially like being on my couch every night instead of being in the venue. But but if you if you miss that excitement and you miss that energy, I did find that listening to some live recordings really do help bring you to that headspace a little bit, sort of like, you know, we've talked about before the live streams that a lot of artists are doing. I mean, it's not quite the same thing, but at least you get it. And with the live recordings, you've got the audience in there, you know, I mean, of course all those things are sweetened and the sounds brought up and all that, but, but still you can feel the energy come through the speakers. I think a little bit more than even with these live streams of somebody sitting in their basement, you know, playing kind of thing. And the thing that sparked my column back in July was I, you know, I I try to exercise every day and go for a walk or jog or whatever. And the version of I Saw Her Standing There with Billy Joel and Paul McCartney from Billy's Last Play at Shea in 2008 came on. My just, you know, random shuffle MP3 player kind of thing. And it was just a kind of it just sort of hit me all at once as I'm walking. And I almost started crying. I mean, I just because i, I remembered remember being there i remember you know hearing it seeing it live and that feeling that none of us have felt in so long now just was really overpowering i kind of surprised myself actually <laughs> of of how much of how much it affected me and then i just started thinking of some other you know favorite live things that i i still like to go back to and and, and listen to and you know there are those seminal recordings from the 70s, Frampton Comes Alive and Kisses Alive and, you know, stuff like Under a Blood Red Sky from U2 or The Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of live albums that in some ways are more memorable than some of the studio work that some of these artists have done. Right.
0: I th- I still think then um, Lizzie's live album might be the best thing they ever did, for example. Mm-hmm. So I-, I agree with that, too. Yeah.
2: And then there are some albums that are live, like Neil Young put out "Rust Never Sleeps," which was all new songs. Yeah, and it was live. Yeah, and then he put out "Live Rust," which was the tour after that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there are others like that. There are a few albums like that where people have just recorded, you know, new songs. Like, well, I think uh, the Jackson Browns "Running on Empty" was like running, yeah, yeah. running on empty. Yeah, awesome. Yep.
1: Exactly. And one of my favorites forever has been Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul, oh, yeah. with Paul McCartney and yeah. Wings. And it's the studio version is not great yeah. really. It's yeah. it's kind of I mean it's fine yeah, but it's yeah. kind of flat because we got so accustomed to hearing that live version yeah. and that live version is just so potent and raw and powerful and it's like everything he feels about Linda just comes spewing out right. in it and it, and his vocal, I mean, you know, it's not it's not an amazing vocal performance by any means. I mean, it's very raggedy and, and guttural and whatever. But but you feel it, and and I think that's what really makes a live recording, you know, something that that's going to bring you right back to that moment. Of course, you know, I wasn't there when <laughs> Wings Over America <laughs> put this out in 1976. Yep. I was like, you know, uh, still in the crib. Yep. But but hearing it growing up, and and even now, it's it's just such a, a powerful. Valentine and you know that's the that's the kind of thing that makes you really appreciate the live experience and what it could still bring to you, you know, years later. And Mike, you mentioned that Neil Young album. You you actually were at that show, weren't you? Well,
2: actually, so there was two. There's Rust Never Sleeps, which was the new songs, and then a year or so later he put out Live Rust, which was the tour, and then it, it was very famous because it also became a movie that you know, we used to go to the movie theaters before DVDs and stuff. Yeah. So I was at that show, the Live Rust show that became the movie at Madison Square Garden. And I think that was 78.
1: But yeah, I mean, but you know, we we talk about some of these classic rock guys like Billy Joel, who you know I've seen probably 60 times, and and Springsteen. I mean, you know, th- these are people who are always going to put on an amazing live show. And one of the other songs I had on my list was Bruce's 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and. And I kind of went back and forth with that one because the obvious choice for a Springsteen Live moment is Born to Run. And if you've seen Springsteen Live in concert, it's an amazing concert moment with Born to Run because they always put the house lights up and you see the whole crowd, you know, singing along and pointing at the stage at the same time <laughs> during the chorus. And and it, it's just that you know, it's an unparalleled energy force that comes with that. But then 10th Avenue freeze out. It's such a great song and you don't hear it nearly as often as you hear Born to Run. And every time I've seen Bruce do that live, it it was just such a cool thing. And it is on that live 1975, 85 box set. Mike, you and I have seen Elton. I mean, we've seen Elton and Billy, you know, together. Countless. Uh, at least. uh, Yeah. I was going to say probably 150 times (laughs) between them. Um, I mean, that's really no exaggeration. If you take, take their tours together that they did, but for me, and even when he did the farewell tour, when he came through Atlanta, and hopefully we'll be coming back for that second round that was supposed to be this fall, um, Funeral, "Funeral for a Friend" and "Love Lies Bleeding" is still just the pinnacle of a live Elton show for me, just because of the musicianship that's involved in it. It's just so captivating, right? Yeah,
2: it's it's, it's a it's an amazing what's the word when you combine two songs into one, you know classic epic piece you know yeah it's like almost like a classical music like two movements you know right
1: Right. Right. It is. It is. And they always, you know, have the dry ice on stage and they make it into this big dramatic thing. And, and, but I mean, I love watching Davy Johnstone play guitar and, you know, and Elton always seems to really be into it, even on those shows where Elton was sort of in, you know, auto drive. <laughs> I think I think that's the sh- the song that always sort of pulled him out of that a little bit, but. You know, um, a very, very
2: underrated Elton John or not really known. He put out an album in the seventies uh, called here and there. And it's, fantastic if you're not familiar with it to, i know you are melissa and you are well that's that's did. actually
1: that's actually the one that i that i picked for yeah. the story that's right that's right, that right, funeral that's right for, yeah. yeah yeah that was the the 74 show at the garden yeah
2: right? uh parts of it i think uh and and there was when it came out on cd as opposed to album and whenever it originally came out it, when it came out on cd they like added like another 80 minutes of music that's when they added the john lennon piece it wasn't on the original i don't believe yeah
1: oh I didn't know that yeah, actually.
2: Yeah. So the extended version, or whatever they called it, in the '90s when it came out on CD, mm-hmm. that's certainly worth seeking out. It's phenomenal. Yeah. That's that was one of the the great things about the CD
0: era is a lot of those classic albums, yeah. especially live albums, that you know that were, they were truncated because they couldn't fit all of it on an album, and they maybe they didn't right. want to do two or whatever,
2: and so they they added whole shows. Right. I could I, I have a I could list fifteen right up top of my head that did that. Uh, like like the Blast Waltz and the bands Rock of Ages literally doubled in size in the CD right. age. Humble Pie, Performance, which is a classic 70s live album. Grand Funk, yep. Railroad. I mean, the list goes on and on. You're right about that. The CD really expanded that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And now... Now,
0: with, with it's like with albums coming back, they're having to expand. But put the, if they want to put all that stuff
2: on it, they have to put them on more more pieces of vinyl, too. Yeah, what they're doing is they're releasing them with four. You know, they they right. don't seem to care anymore. They're putting out four four vinyl yeah. albums for yeah. these. Yeah. Yeah. Because people love them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there are also those bands and those songs that the live version of the song is actually what made the band really popular. Uh, like Cheap Tricks, yeah. I Want You to yeah. Want Me. Yeah. yeah. You know, when that came out on the album, it did nothing. Yeah. I mean, it, it was big in Japan because they were big in yep. Japan. But other than, but the the album version did nothing. And then when they re released it off of Budokan, uh, you know, then that became their top their first top ten hit, and it was their biggest song until the flame. So that was really a, a moment for them. And I think most people remember Nirvana's "All Apologies" from the MTV unplugged yes. version, yeah. not necessarily from the in utero version, which which was totally fine. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the the recorded version, but. See, you know, of course, you, you know, you had the the double whammy there of the song and Kurt's death, yeah. and I think being able to see him on that MTV Unplugged performance was probably part of the emotion of that too. But, but I I, I would argue that U two's live stuff is what really made U two. I mean, if 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 you even go back to that Live Aid performance in '85 of Bad, that you know, that I think it went on for mes- twelve minutes, or it. Yeah, it
2: was just that's when I really was turned on to you too i mean i'd heard about them and whatever but when i saw that <clears throat> and i've seen almost every tour since the joshua tree which was uh the, the year or two later and that's mm-hmm. that performance at live aid was just stellar spectacular I, I mean i can't i'm not a writer so i can't come up with the, the descriptive words but it was really <laughs> and it so impressionable too on, on their career I-
1: I totally would have used stellar and impressionable writing something. So I think I think you're totally fine there. But I I do think you're right, Michael. I mean, it's the kind of it was the kind of performance that people who had kind of heard of this band, maybe seen a couple of the videos on MTV, and and you know. Thought they were kind of cool and interesting with what they were doing because Bono was such a, a you know magnetic lead singer. Then when they saw them do this full performance, that's when you really sat up and went, "Huh, yeah, okay, I yeah. guess I have to pay attention to these guys now."
0: It's like you can't, you don't have to just listen to albums. You can go online and see a lot of concerts. Yep. You know that yep. way as well. So.
1: Well, that's like with this David Byrne thing, you know, the concert, the tour that he did a couple of years ago that's coming out on HBO next month with Spike Lee directed it when he was on, when he did the Broadway run of it back in, yeah. you know, 2018, through 2019. David Byrne is somebody that you really want to watch doing what he's doing. Yeah. And, and I encourage everyone to watch this particular tour either on HBO or I'm sure they're going to release it in some form, or even to go on YouTube and watch some of the clips from the tour of you know, watching him do once in a lifetime with this particular setup from that tour is is really an incredible thing. So yeah, I what mean you is, what is it find so
2: Is it called Utopia? Or yeah, American- Utopia, yeah. Yeah, that's it.
1: We have so many opportunities to see live stuff that, you know, we didn't before, you know, when 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 Cheap Tricks Budokan came out, the only chance you had to hear that was to buy the yeah. album. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of these older stuff, the you know, those things that we're talking about, like Wings Over America, I mean, you know, you, you really didn't have a, a chance to hear it elsewhere. But one of the other songs that I pointed out in my story, just a, a phenomenal live rendition is Celine Dion doing All By Myself in concert. I mean, she's she's amazing. I mean, to hear to hear the notes this woman hits live on stage every show, is just phenomenal. And you could go on YouTube and find, you know, a dozen renditions of of her doing that from the last tour that that came through here. So, you know, you've you've got – it's not just having to, you know, find Frampton Comes Alive or Skinner's One More From the Road (laughs) or whatever. And that's all you got.
0: Yeah, they're classics and for a reason. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: But, yeah, it's like, yeah, Frampton Comes Alive was – at the time, it was one of the biggest selling albums of all time, wasn't it? For a while. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think it's still
2: up in the top yeah. 10 or whatever. Certainly live albums. Yeah. Oh, live yeah, albums, definitely. yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. they've released it 800 times. Yeah. Deluxe version, 25th anniversary. <laughs> <Right>. 30th anniversary. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, there, there's are some young performers, you know, or, or more current performers like Janelle Monet. I mean, she's she's a tremendous live performer if you haven't seen her yet. And, you know, you could again, you could go online and see some. I, I remember seeing her for the first time on David Letterman um, back when Tightrope first came out. And I wasn't living here yet. So I, you know, I hadn't really heard much about her. I'd heard her name in music circles, but that was about it. And when i saw that performance on letterman you know that was sort of one of those who is this (laughs) type things that and and she's she's still like that you know i I strongly encourage anyone to go check her out online and then once uh touring returns she's a she's a great live performer and beyonce puts on a a really great live show also are y'all ready coachella i want to see everybody from the front to the back Put your hand up. I prefer her by herself to the, the, the ones that she did with Jay, just because there's just a little too much going on. Okay. And as you know, fa- fans will of course love it because you got both of them on stage together and separately. But, but I like watching Beyonce do her Beyonce thing yeah. <laughs> with her Beyonce dancers yeah. and her Beyonce pyro and, and leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Beyonce could carry a stadium show by herself just fine. Mm. <laughs> she doesn't need Jay Z to help her out there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a million live options and, you know, like we said, Shane, this is all we got right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I did want to mention a couple of things that could because you know I've recently started uh, buying vinyl again um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, much too much of it. I, I, <laughs> but but uh, one of the few things that that I actually noticed, I, I've only bought like one live album, I think, and that was a jazz album. It's uh, uh, Sunday Village Vanguard, uh, Bill Evans which was the, the last oh, right. recording uh, before their bassist, the, the, his classic trio. Uh, his bassist, Scott LaFaro, died soon after that, so it was the last recordings. Um, what, that, when would that have been?
2: What, what year would that have
0: been? 1961. 61, that 61 was, uh, Yeah, 61, was, wow. Yeah, it was uh, fil- it filmed. It was uh, recorded uh, in June of 1961. Yeah, and just a few weeks later, Scott LaFaro died in a car accident, and uh, so they never recorded together again. And it's a terrific album. Um, so, yeah. And what's it called? What's it's it called? It's called Sunday at the Village Vanguard.
2: Sunday at the Village Vanguard. And
0: it's another one of those that, that there are several versions. You know, the mm-hmm. original had, you know, part of the set. Because they were like, they recorded five different sets on that day. And, you know, they didn't release anywhere near all of that originally. But now you can get the entire, you know, day's of course, recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but the original, there's like a, two sets, I think, that that on that particular release Sunday at the village vanguard. That's really great. Um, and then they, they released more of it on an album called waltz with Debbie soon after, or is it waltz for Debbie? I can't remember, but anyway, uh, yeah, that's a great one. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that for the jazz fans out there. Thanks so much to both of you for uh, taking the time to talk uh, about live music and, recorded live music, and, uh, you know, I, I could talk about music all day, and I know you could too. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had, and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Dunwoody music businessman, Mike Sullivan, has the equivalent of a small farm in his backyard. His lower 40 consists of 25,000 square feet of flowers and vegetables, or twice the size of the Unity Garden at nearby Chattahoochee Nature Center. 75-year-old Sullivan and his wife Leslie canned 95 quarts of tomatoes this year. Some of those tomatoes went to make four gallons of spaghetti sauce. They also froze six gallons of blackberries. Bo Emerson has the full story on The Rock and Roll Farmer at AJC.com. A former senior editor at Newsweek, Jonathan Alter has written incisive biographies of Franklin D. Roosevelt and Barack Obama. His latest subject is Jimmy Carter. He fixed on writing about Carter, who he calls the most misunderstood president in American history, after he discovered that Carter would certainly have addressed global warming in his second term and was the first world leader to consider the impact of carbon dioxide gases on climate change. Bo Emerson spoke with Alter about the book and how it all came together. Get the rest of the story at AJC.com. As part of their Pandemic Jam series, Atlanta band Blackberry Smoke has announced a trio of streaming concerts live from venues in Atlanta and Nashville. The first performance from the band will come from the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville on September 23rd, followed by Atlanta's West End Sound on October 30th and the Tabernacle on November 28th, with the latter serving as their eighth annual Brothers and Sisters Holiday Homecoming Concert. Get all the details and find out how to get tickets on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com. Dining is still limited in many restaurants, but the AJC's dining team seems busier now than ever. They continue to report on both openings and closings of local restaurants while exploring some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section most weekdays. Recent visits include Bold Monk Brewing, which closed to dine-in service just four months after opening. They've been doing to-go orders since early May and recently reopened for limited dine-in service. Read up on all of the places the dining team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe.